Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to strangle the NBA and rip out its... What's the thing? Jugular. Get them in the jugular. Rip out their jugular. Yeah. We're in a Swayze, the rest of the NBA, because the Nets are back, Brian. Start of the show. To the glue guys, this is Mike Air. Dale O'Brien. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Netsdaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself on the paywall at theathletic.com slash glue guys, a subsidiary of the New York Times company Brian. <laughs> the Nets are back. Properly. Just a complete soundboard. You unleash yeah, the sound. I'll take, I'll take. <laughs> the Nets are back, Brian! Mike, ah! we did it. Have they, you asked, potentially somebody asked, have they ever been more back than this? Is there more back than this back? I don't think we've ever been this back. The NBA better watch out, Brian. Yeah. This is a revenge tour. Yeah. This is... Nets World Revenge Tour 20, almost 23. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are the Nets, uh, the Nets have on it. So this is the longest win streak. We are recording this on Tuesday, December 27th. This is the longest win streak since the Nets have been in Brooklyn. Since mm-hmm. I think I read in NetsLA.com when Jacques Vaughn was a backup point guard for your New Jersey okay. Nets. Well, throwback. My God. Uh, what is it? Nine games in a row? Nine games per eye? Uh, right now it is nine games. Yeah, it was funny. I was just wanted you, uh, hate watching some like undisputed uh, segments with with Shannon Sharp <laughs> and Skip Bayless from after they had won after the Nets beat um, Golden State, the undermanned Golden State. They're like, who cares? This is all fugazi. Still, still fake news until they start beating good teams. Yes. Now what are you gonna say, Mike? Now what are you gonna say? Steamroll uh, the Bucks. Steamroll the Cavs. Kind of. Um. We're, we're, um, it was it was a it was a proper rolling. I mean, it, it was close. There was a, a Darius Garland was electric. Sure, Kevin Durant fouls out with what two minutes left, one fifty one left in the game, which was the um, only time the crowd really popped in Cleveland. Which was you know said says something about them. It's uh, it, low low quality exactly. fan base. It's a direct shot at you guys. Um, but I will also say the Bucks game wasn't a direct steamroll either. And for both of those, I'm kind of glad because you know you could chalk up like a oh they had a weird night. I saw you know in in one of the power rankings. Bucks lost to I don't know some bad team like by yeah the Bucks points. have been a little bit shaky lately and uh, I didn't want to be part of that like ah just a weird like weird night who cares um, wasn't a weird night they were playing Bucks basketball and we just um, 
you know, we ended up steamrolling them at the end with just applying so much pressure, Mike, just hitting them from every angle, and they had no responses. And uh, in the Cavs game, that was kind of uh, the – they flipped the, s- the script there a little bit. Um, but still in both cases, competitive, you know, up and up until uh, certain moments. But um, no excuses. You can't make excuses about this. That was a, a systematic win, you know, on both cases. I remember us talking before the Warriors game, looking at this three-game stretch of Warriors, like, Bucks, Cavs. You didn't even say that the possibility that we could go three and zero on that. You didn't even mention that. I, I think I think I said if they go three and zero, it's going to be dancing okay. in the streets. You did, Martha Reeves, uh, jubilant, just pure. I, I think I maybe just made a quick mention, but I didn't even consider it a possibility. I did not. In my head, I was like, "There's n- there's no way, like that, you know, there's no way they would go three and zero on this stretch." We were not full believers. We we had a conversation. Um, it may have been on that same very show where I asked you some pertinent questions, like the six most important questions about the Nets. And one of them was, can can you have championship expectations? And we both agreed that we needed to see them stack dubs against the elite of the NBA. Okay? There ain't that much more elite to be out there at this point. They dominated your Milwaukee Bucks. They thoroughly handled the Cleveland Cavaliers in the land of Cleve. In Loudville, um, that you see, I was. They kept cutting to this one shot of the free throws, and there was a section that was just called Loudville. That's sponsored by Budweiser. I was just thinking, who is the lazy, you know, marketing department? That was just like, I don't know what he I call Loudville. Who cares? Loud land. I mean, yeah. your your city right. already has land in the tight. You know, even I mean, that's low hanging fruit too, and not good. But even that is a. A, a notch she above Loudville. Like at Loudville. <laughs> no, I'm saying. She feels yeah, like I mean. a shot at and Mike Smoltz <laughs> so, right there. It's so, not very so good. I mean, just spend another minute or two on it, Mike. You got this. Yeah, I think I can figure it out. Um, the, it, the it, This isn't unqualified or a very qualified Netsassance. I mean, this is the purest Netsassance that we've ever been living in in this podcast time. I mean, this is truly historic what is happening with your Brooklyn Nets. Are they going to win the championship? I don't know if they're going to win the championship. They have firmly thrusted themselves into the championship discussion. Uh, If you you pull up your podcast app and you listen to your favorite shows like Brian Windhorst or Zach Lowe or uh, the Athletic NBA show, you will find an increasing amount of Nets conversation about basketball. Mm. The the Nets leading all of those shows because the Nets are the hottest team in the NBA. If you one of my favorite places, cleaningtheglass.com, everyone loves that. It's an analytics website from a guy who used to be like the head analytics guy for the I think the Trailblazers. Uh, what you can always do is you can go onto their the the team rankings in terms of points per possession, effective field goal, turnover percentage, offensive rebounding. There's all these different metrics that it does. And you can just look up who are the hot teams. You can filter the stats. And I did it so for December. The Nets have the number one offense in the NBA right now, in mm-hmm. the NBA, over the month of December, over this massive winning streak fueled by Jacques Vaughn. The only month that really matters in the NBA season, let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. The the current NBA. Yeah. They are 12th in points per possession on defense. Um, they turn over the ball at an elite rate. Their, their rebounding rate <laughs> is actually like getting better and better. And there's been a lot written about how Jacques Vaughn challenged all the players about boxing out and all that stuff. They foul out. They foul a bunch of teams. They do, they do foul, but they are top. They are 12th in defense. Number one in offense. 
They are third overall in the league in terms of differential between points per possession they get on offense, between points per possession that they give up on defense. Um, they are elite as they are mm. in the NBA. Mm-hmm. This is an elite NBA team. You don't get to beat the Bucks by 18, beat the Warriors by such a degree that they need to tie Jerome and Patrick Baldwin Jr. to shoot the lights out to even make the game kind of competitive. And you don't beat the Cleveland Cavaliers when you don't have Joe Harris and Seth Curry, unless if you are an elite team in the NBA. You're looking mm. at, Brian. Okay. One of the best stretches of basketball we've seen uh, since they've gone to Brooklyn. I don't think, I think that uh, and, optically uh, it's amazing. been it's been like it's especially good. I mean, like there's just you know even back to our I would say the only other pinnacle of this period, like KD Kyrie period, was the Boston Celtics uh, series where they actually won that series two years ago. Yeah, um, not 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 last year's. Um, that's the only other time we looked like oh gosh, like I think we could really um, steamroll just about anybody. Um, and then also, I think there's there's a bunch of things kind of being passed around in the wake of all this of just like, I think we're destined to talk about Ben Simmons in this one very particular way, which is that like, optically, there's something off. But then like, if you go into the advanced stats, he's, he's one of those guys, you know, and so and those guys are always going to be just fodder for for internet debates. And the advanced stats that are coming out about Ben Simmons, like, you know, when he's on the floor, they, you know, best defensive rating off, you know, all it comes ratings, Mike, we get, we get into ratings when, when we're talking Ben Simmons. <laughs> um, and, and I was, we were watching the games, um, the game last night and there is like moments where like, you know, Ben Simmons, like kind of, you know, optically isn't there, you know, kind of disappears into the mesh, the fabric of the team. But it still somehow works. And there's still it's so I'm like, I'm starting to live with this new paradigm of like the third star conversation, um, you know, trying to move past and just be like, we don't we don't necessarily need Ben Sims to be doing much more than this. I think I think a lot of the conversation this is I'm getting ahead of the conversation where that it's like, you know, Ken Ben Simmons, is that going to be what, what what propels us into championship caliber, real championship caliber stuff? And I think we're already there and I think it's happening. It's just hard to see, Mike. I think it's just hard to see. And I'm trying to train my eye to see it. Yeah, and and it's hard because so he'll go like two for he went two for five. He he does not want to go to the free 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 throw line. So usually, like you could pretty reliably guess how many field goals he made, and then you can guess his points because he's never going to shoot a three. He's yet no, to do. So. I think no. he shot one three so far this season, maybe Under two, duress. and they were like yeah. just throw ups. Um, literally, not that we threw up seeing them, but the, he threw them up because it was end of shot clock or end of whatever. Smart, smart um, to make that and clear. He does not like to go to the free throw line. He does not make free throws. Uh, I still am skeptical of the hook shots, the sort of like the running floaters that happen. And when they hit, hey, like it's incredible. Uh, he, he did a very important thing last night, though. You know, Donovan Mitchell, he guarded Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was five for 16 from the field. Darius Garland, as great as he was, you know, if you are if you are the Cleveland Cavaliers, you need both Mitchell and Garland to be 30-point dudes. I mean, Garland can be a little bit less where Donovan Mitchell has been, I think, a top five scorer in the NBA this season. If if Ben can reliably damage, weaken, shut down the opposing teams, one of their best scorers, you can 100% live with the fact that he only shoots the ball five times and he only makes two of those shots, and they are inefficient shots, ultimately, that mm-hmm. he's putting up, besides dunks, like when he gets the dunk to the yeah. dunker spot and all that stuff. This team is just such an interesting mix. I was actually very... I was flirting, flirting with on Ben MGM, 
Oh my gosh! A, a one a single game parlay of Cavs money line. Actually, probably I was going to take the Cavs line because you don't need okay. the money line. You could do the. Uh, do, no I more. think it was like, yeah, minus two. You could do that. Get a little bit better odds. Uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell plus twenty five points and something else relating to the Cavs because I was like, Joe Harris and Seth Curry being out for the game, that could have led to a very. If Royce O'Neal has a bad shooting night, um, I thought, oh, there's no way that the Nets could put up <laughs> enough points beyond Katie and Kyrie to compete with a Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland-led Cavaliers. And what happened was they showed – this is what, to me, of the three games that have happened, the Warriors, Bucks, Cavs, the, the Bucks one is obviously the most interesting because, I mean, the, the Nets firmly dominated the Bucks throughout that game. But this game showed me something I hadn't seen, which was that, yeah, you had a KD Kyrie game. Both scored 32 points, both highly efficient. KD actually, you know, doing doing pretty good work from the three-point line. Kyrie having, his, it's got to be his best three-point shooting game this year, 7 of 11. But you also then didn't have like this, like you didn't need, Seth Curry wasn't there, Joe Harris. You didn't have these role-playing shooters that were just like, going five for six from three. Yeah. What you had was TJ Warren. TJ Warren, man. Being maybe the the X factor of the NBA this year. And honestly, like there was a lineup where it was, you know, the big three plus Royce and TJ. So having Ben Simmons at the five, which was, I thought, one of my favorite lineups. That Just having that extra, like TJ at six, eight is, um, it's just that little bit of height really matters. And it's really matters. Um, there's just so many arms uh, on defense. He's just like, just that little bit more size is really helpful. When we were talking on the stream. And if you don't know about the stream, that's because you're not in the discord. So shout out to the discord, discord.gg slash Google guys. Um, you know, all this talk that we've had, I mean, honestly, we've been really just the only people driving this conversation. So I'll, I'll, I'll aim this in, in our direction. Um, all the talk about Kuzma is like, you know, are we getting like 80% of if, if TJ Warren continues to play at this level, we're getting like basically four fifths of, of Kyle Kuzma at this point. Right. I mean, like he's been <laughs> really, really good. Um, and good in all the spots that are like kind of unique and weird. And like, we've talked about this, he has kind of this like ability to just like hit a putback, but the putback will be from like eight feet out. And it's just like, it's yes. really weird, uh, unconventional it's a putback but, that Ben Simmons kind of tries to do. Yeah. But you know, is has the, real, no clue how to do the difference is Ben Simmons will do like a baby hook version of it where TJ Warren will just like square up and, and stick it in there. Um, but yeah, it's just like weird fills up these little holes in, in the offense. And, and we've talked about it stabilizing force, yada, yada. But anyways, I feel like TJ Warren is, um, <clears throat> we're getting more bubble Warren than not bubble Warren. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I just yeah. bubble Warren. <laughs> well, but, but, but non, again, even non bubble Warren before the injuries was, was awesome. I thought, you know, he had that stretch with Indiana. Sure. Yeah. yeah he, he said, had, yeah, where it was, yeah. Here, I'll urge everyone to do this. Go to NBA.com, go into the, the game from last night, go into the box score, click on TJ Warren's free throw or field goal attempts, and you'll get the shot plot or the hex map or the shot zones, whichever one you mm -hmm. like best. And what's incredibly unique and why he is the X Factor, and we, by the way, this is an official mailbag pod. We have a lot of great email that we're going to get to very, email. very soon. And some of it is probably going to touch on TJ Warren. Look at his shot chart. It, there's two corner threes in there. There are two threes from about like midway on the top of the key. 
There are four jumpers on like the right elbow. There's a shot on the left elbow. There's two shots on the baseline. There's actually three shots on the baseline on either side of the hoop. And then there's a couple right at the bucket. What is unique about him is like, particularly in the NBA, is that like so many role players get so narrowly defined on what what shots they can take on the floor. You are a corner three-point shooter. You are a dunker, a pick-and-roll dunker like Nick Claxton. You know, very few you know, uh, bench players are afforded the opportunity to even try to take a mid-range shot. Mm. And TJ Warren has, over his career, been one of the better mid-range shooters, just like pure scorers, maybe like a sub-DeMar DeRozan type over the course of his career. His ability, the fact that he can score from anywhere on the floor, he's expanded his range at the three-point over the time in his NBA career, and I'm glad to see it's continuing over makes him very dangerous mm-hmm. and it gives the nets a specialized weapon that not many teams actually have not many teams have the pure scorer off the bench who can do what tj warren can do on a consistent basis and you mentioned this his height is the differentiating factor between him and like the other archetypes like lou williams and jamal crawford He's got a little – he can be in more lineups because he's not dependent on just being in the backcourt. He is a front court player mm-hmm. as that. And and what is really great is TJ Warren with Ben Simmons, again, as you mentioned, because Ben is so deficient for, as a scorer, but he does everything else like extremely well. He, I think he had eight assists, right, in the Cavaliers game, that – the Ben Simmons – the lack of scoring from Ben Simmons typically could hurt a team where TJ Warren's just like – Dude, I got that. Like, mm-hmm. I I can do, you know, it's like James Austin Johnson on SNL. He's the guy who does the Trump impression. Okay. He does all their impressions now. You still watch it's SNL? It's like, it, it, it relieves the pressure on everyone else on that SNL cast. Because yeah. you know you've got this guy who can do this amazing, he can do impressions, he can do them all. He does a fantastic Bobby Flay impression, I but heard. Speaking of normie things, uh, did I tell you that I watched... Um, <laughs> <laughs> did I tell you I watched Avatar, Avatar 2, the film? Oh, The cinematic okay. experience in 3D. Okay. I did the 3D thing, everything. We went to okay. Alamo Draft House, Mike, and I got some, had some, uh, um, some bevies. You know, it's a bevy kind of place, which was, which is great. Um, oh, by the way, did you read Bill Gabiri's, um, piece about it? I think you should, if you haven't. You missed it. Mike, you're a bad, well, you're a bad friend. It. Was it okay? <laughs> no, it was great. I think, I mean, so like, here's the thing. Yeah. Avatar 2, if you if you don't know what you're getting yourself into, um, it's it's the PG-13 catch-all sort of cinematic experience. And if, if you go into there thinking you're going to see, you know, Dances with Wolves. Um, <laughs> it kind of is like Dan- <laughs> Isn't the, it? That is the parallel that people yeah. usually, usually take. But it's the yeah. sort of more like... Um, Anyways, everyone knows Dance with the Wolves. Um, you, you mean like, you, did you see the list of uh, sight and sounds, top 100 movies of all time? Mm-mm. There's the British AFI or whatever it is. They they polled critics across the world for the top movies of all time. And the number one movie was this movie called like uh, Marianne 1973. It's about a middle class Dutch woman who's also a prostitute. And it's a very slow burn movie. Sure. Never seen it. And number one movie of all time. <laughs> 
it's not that. It's not. It's, it's not that. It's not it about a middle class woman who's a prostitute. 1973. Um, yeah, that it is not. But uh, you should read it because, anyways, the the, the thrust of it Bucky, is that Avatar Two is way better than whatever that movie could be. <laughs> it's instead of a woman smoking a cigarette on our kitchen table, this movie's got some bump to it. The thrust it? of it is that like the James Cameron movie making style is that it's like equal parts sort of moralistic hippie kind of like in in this case that's the version like in titanic it's like you know half a love story and then just half like gore disaster yeah yeah. people dying real um um and then every other like there's a lot of other examples of that but um and in this case it was sort of similar and i think it's you know i think it delivers i think it delivered like if that's what you want if you want my stamp of approval you've got it okay? okay and i know you do let's do this quick break coming back let's just hit our emails let's like dive right in This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back, Brian. Michael, hit me. Next up, that's Cheer Boy Sean Goodfriend. The Nature Boy Sean Goodfriend, a good friend of the show. He's got a heck of an email here, so buckle up. Hey guys, TJ, Yuta, Royce, we're amazing pickups. Makes me think it may have been Mark's, Mark's, Sean Mark's second best off off season. Uh, rank these. 2016 signed Liz, sorry, signed Lynn Booker Harris, trade for Karis Levert, draft Whitehead. 2017 Tyler Zeller, trade. Bre- He's got all of them. But anyways, we're not going to go I through love the whole. The, I love the first move of 2017. It must have been all, like the first thing that happened because it yeah. is trade. Sign Tyler Zeller. Actually, I think that would like happen late in the in the period. There are some um, names on here. To it's good to go down um, memory lane here. So what are we saying? Is the number one offseason? Is it the fact that Hugh traded for D'Lo? You got Damari Carroll and you drafted Jared Allen. Um, oh no, KD Kyrie, of course. But Duh. here's the thing: Can I say that KD Kyrie is is that really a Sean Marks like strategy? Like, I mean, so he set the precedent, right? That they wanted to sign on, you know. So okay, whatever system that made them want to go to the Nets. I don't know. I kind of squint and look at that as like I think I think Kyrie brought his friend to the team that he wanted to go to. They had a, but it's a cool place to live. Um, so on and so yeah. forth. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily 
if we're if we're giving out accolades, I don't super attribute to some extent. Obviously, you do. You gotta. But when I think of like real GMmanship, I think of winning on the fringes. And to that point, I, I gotta say, I think like t- like there's so many guys on this roster right now that I just am excited to watch play. There's I don't think there's ever been this many players that I just like, you know, and and wanna and wanna see grow. Yeah, I I do agree. I, the, the work done in sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen led to nineteen, right? Like the work of Joe Harris, Dinwiddie, getting Lavert, getting Jared Allen, getting D'Lo, and making that team interesting. <laughs> the trade for Crab. I think anytime you trade for Allen Crab, you immediately throw away that offseason as the worst possible yeah. thing in the world. Um, so all of that led to nineteen. I agree with you. Like how Marks deserves credit, but to credit. I mean, you, but it's also like one of those things where he did get Kyrie and KD, and and so that has to be the winning off season. And they also drafted Nick Claxton that year. They did trade Torian Prince, trade for Torian Prince, but they picked up Nawaba, um, who was a good player until he wasn't for this team. Um, low key twenty twenty, kind of like Jeff Green getting Shamit, getting Bruce Brown. Well, hold on, Nawaba, Nawaba got hurt. Nawaba was off and running. He was going to be great. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Loki was a, that was a good move. That could have been a, something we would have been celebrating. I totally forgot about Wilson Chandler too. My God, there's so many guys who this is just it's really jogging my memory. It it definitely reads of like when you look at an actor's IMDb and they do a <laughs> bunch of good indie movies to start, and you're like, oh, that was a good decision. That was a good decision. Like let's say like Ben Affleck, not that he did indie movies, but he made some good decisions. And then it just turned like 2021. I think sure Patty Mills is good, but like Lamarcus Aldridge was kind is, of like is the so the comparison to M Night Shyamalan. You know, is it starts out on a on a low budget, but had some right. had some celebrity clout. That's a great yes. <laughs> and, and then it just gets yeah, it got a little hinky. The Village was that the <laughs> I I really like The Village. I'm just gonna come out and say it. I. I, oh, I enjoy it. It's a little bit crazy. It's a crazy movie, but I hate it. Did you see the trailer for his I, new one? I hated it. I did. And I'm going to say it. I, I am. I like people. I like M. Night Shyamalan because I like guys with conflicted topsy-turvy film careers. You know, I don't like a straight. Is, I don't want a linear so just, you know, Steven Spielberg just, you know, just win no matter what. Stacking dubs. Stacking dubs. That's boring for me. I want some L's. Give me some L's. Give me some conflict. This was here's the thing about the 2022 offseason to respond to Sean Goodfriend's email. Marks was back in his bag, baby. Back, back to hey, I'm gonna sign TJ Warren. I don't know the source of it, but I mean, it seemed like he just wanted to kind of play in Brooklyn, which I uh, great for, but the Edmund Sumner Yuta signings low key important. Obviously, you could Yuta's probably high key important at this point. I've been a Royce defender from the moment I've seen him play for the Nets. He's had an interesting relationship with the fan base. People are constantly comparing to Bruce Brown, which I, we've done ourselves. You you kind of are forced to compare Bruce Brown and, and Royce O'Neal. But yet, I think what Royce brings to the table um, is a very good skill set. I wish they could have both, but you know, I like Royce O'Neal a lot. Um, Markeith Morris isn't on the Sean Goodfriend list of moves. You know, Markeith is neither positive nor negative. This is just getting Yuta as opposed to getting the Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, James Johnson's, Paul Millsaps. That's where we need to be. That's where this team needed. And Yuta has been a key piece. Mm. Um, 
it for is, the team. It is night and day, these two strategies, just 2021 and 2022. You know, you Patty Mills, Aldridge, Griffin, James Johnson, Millsap, just a who's who of ex-stars and journeyman veteran guys um, in James Johnson case. Um, and well, Patty Mills is not a journeyman, but that, you know, a veteran presence. It's just it's just night and day, you know, between then and now. It, we we thought that we were riding a rocket ship to the championship at that point. Right? What is we, what we, is the 2021 offseason in M Night Shyamalan movie lexicon? Um, okay, so like what? It's the most. It's is signs. Bef- it's not signs, but is signs before the village? Signs is before. So it's probably the village. That's probably village. It's the village because yeah. like, signs was pretty good, right? People people were still. I mean, buzzing off of Sixth Sense at that point. I mean, at the, he could. He was people. He had a long leash to do a lot of weird stuff and so people are like yeah i think science i think science is good because he's so good are you an unbreakable oh it could be unbreakable unbreakable is is bad capital b bad yeah it could be unbreakable but but unbreakable comes early in the tenure unbreakable has (laughs) i watched it maybe like a year ago uh again and um sorry this is this is um you're you're checking your phone now this is i know my my mom's just telling me that our, my son <laughs> that we have to stop talking about unbreakable yeah <laughs> yeah she everyone if you don't know my mom listens to all of our episodes yeah. live and then she she's actually the the puppet master yeah. most people don't know that um i'm not going to go into my whole diatribe well you know go to the come to the vip episodes on patreon for for that um but next up <laughs> is... oh, sorry coming up cheer boy we got diarro diarro Diaro, He's, he pronounces it at the, at the bottom. Diaro, thank you for reaching out. <clears throat> I think the game versus the Cavs today proved that we are undoubtedly a contender as presently constructed. But, all caps, Whoa. I still think the Nets need to trade for a backup big and or a stretch four. My question to you guys is, who do you think are the best trade candidates out there for the pieces we have? Picks, Patty, Cam, Seth slash Joe, Daron, etc. Big supporter from Zidavrika. Go Nets. Um, let's go Nets. Thank you. What? Is that your African <laughs> That's just accent? a South African accent. I don't know. Is that not... Was I way off? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, it's one of the hardest accents to, it is tough. to pull off. I, watched, uh, I appreciated your effort. I watched Matt Damon talk about that on a, on a YouTube short. Um, so I gave, it, <laughs> I gave it my all. But anyways, what do you think? Mike, I, this is really okay. your department, so I defer I, to you. I am verging closer and closer to don't trade anyone vibes mm-hmm. um because this i mean when you're winning nine in a row before that you had won four in a row and then you lost to the celtics and now you're back to winning nine in a row you are an emerging power in the eastern conference you've beaten some of the best teams in the nba <laughs> the the consistency the vibes are all perfect and great um there's room for growth on this team mm-hmm. they're not their ceiling is not yet they're not scraping their ceiling and the team has had such a topsy-turvy ride since Kyrie and KD signed with your Brooklyn Nets, I'm beginning to go deeper into the camp of they should just, this is the crew. And sure, if there's like a buyout guy or, you know, there's someone you can add to the bench who's a center, a big that, you know, can fit into your teamwork or whatever, baloney, baloney, I support that. If I'm going to answer the question, though, because I'm a, uh, I'm here to service our fan base. I've talked about this before. Seth Curry is the guy who becomes and feels the most expendable. <clears throat> he is on. He is a 
uh, his last year of his contract is right now. He only makes about eight million, nine million dollars a year. He, you know, as good as he is and as great of a shooter as he is, you know, I think you could if you flip him for that stretchy four five type who who can play the five at times, like the Robert Covingtons of your world, whoever yeah. that may be. Um, you begin to feel more well-rounded about your roster. The thing is, again, that I like, it's just hard. Like I wouldn't, unless if Seth Curry is a, a not a positive or not a minus in the locker room, he's just kind of a non-factor. I just wouldn't trade anyone. I, I would really, yeah. unless if like the perfect deal <clears throat> that you know that comes along, like I understand Kuzma. We talk about Kuzma a lot. I love Kyle Kuzma. We, we, you and I talked about trading for him and maybe trading Ben Simmons for him. Um, I, it's just more and more. It's like, how much do you really want to incorporate another dude onto this team? Yeah. What, how do you feel about that? Well, I also think, and to get like human brains are so <clears throat> we have goldfish memory. Like we really do. And I think it's, 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 you know, right now everyone's healthy for the first time and it feels like 15 years. And uh, when that's the case, it's like, oh, we have so we have way too many good players. Like we can consolidate, and, <laughs> <laughs> and that happened like within two weeks. Um, <clears throat> ever since TJ Warren came back, it's actually funny. I was looking at that list of, from Sean Goodfriend, good friend of the pod, and I do feel yes. like uh, Sean Marks has finally like hit on exactly what he's been wanting in Yuda and TJ Warren. That he's it's a dragon he's been chasing from the Wilson Chandler, James Johnson, Paul Millsap days of this like. I would say more of like a combo forward than a traditional stretch four or something. It's sort of this like new kind of archetype of something more between three and four than four and five. Um, And that that's what it kind of feels like for me with TJ Warren and Yuta and having both of those guys at the same time, being able to like swap two super tall, like kind of wings effectively. It's just really nice. And, and, you know, if you, for whatever reason you miss, like, like last night we miss, we're missing both Seth Curry and Joe Johnson, but didn't skip a beat because we had that amount of backup um, to, to shore up the to shore up the offense. Um, and then if you start trading those guys, then the nights where Seth and, and Joe are missing, it becomes a little bit more of a drag. So backup big, I get it. It's been it's been a bugaboo the entire season. But like, I don't know. It's becoming less and less of a thing. Um, but Mike, we got to have an Embiid stopper. Okay, we got to have an Embiid <laughs> stopper. So you know, all that goes out the window. Um, and and I will all say one more thing. I was listening to the Daily Ding with Dave DeFore and Mark Schindler on the Athletic NBA show. And Mark Schindler, who's like a, you know, like a, I watch the video, I actually analyze basketball type of guy, as opposed to us who were vibes. You know, he made a really good point that I just hadn't really thought about was the fact that the Nets put up the amount of points that they did against the Cavs and the Bucks, who are two of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And part part of what I worry about with the Nets, if I can insert the smelts worry uh moment the the moment to drink because i worry about something yep is that the nets are 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 a highly efficient team because of how good they are at shooting the ball in terms of katie and Kyrie. they are unstoppable but they are taking inefficient shots ultimately in the analytical framework um but the nets are are becoming more and more of an outlier in terms of like how they score and how they continue to just put up points. Yeah. Like they and now you add TJ Warren to the mix, who is another guy who bucks the analytics. He says, Buck those analytics. I'm gonna take my mid-range shots and I'm gonna hit them. More and more, the Nets are living outside the boundaries of what is expected of an NBA offense. And 
They are. What did they shoot last night? They had fifty-seven percent shooting, sixty percent from three. Um, you know, they, like this is the team. The team is proving itself to be. Um, yeah, they take kind of inefficient shots, but they are extremely efficient at the shots they hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, or well, uh, that they take, not that they hit. Everyone's efficient at the <laughs> yeah. shots that they hit. There you go. I smart. <laughs> nice. Next it. up. Next up. That's. Cheerboy Kyle Williams. Um, Kyle says, what's up? What's up to you, Kyle? Uh, just wanted to ask if you think Jacques Vaughn should be front runner for coach of the year. Personally, I think it's a no brainer. Can we also just take a second, Mike, to just do a little jig on the grave of the the whole Ime Adoka like part of the Twitter <laughs> sphere or whatever? I mean, like truly, we we don't. If we don't do it, nobody else will for us. Okay, Mike. But not only did we just come out of the gates advocating for Jacques Vaughn to get the get the gig, um, he's absolutely crushed it. Could you, could Ime Adoka be doing a better job than this? I don't think so. Not in my wildest no. dreams. No, he couldn't have. So, and I also think like, and this is something we talked about a little bit last night. Um, I think it had to be an inside hire just because this team has gone through so much weirdness. You know, to, you have to like. I think he had to like been sitting. Somebody had to have been seeing it from behind the scenes and know like, okay, this is what I would do differently. Because if you just come in and be like, do the thing where it's like, I'm going to try to like connect with Kyrie or KD or whatever. And it's just like, it's starting from scratch. It's just hard with, with this crew and what they've gone through in the last couple of years. So I think it was important that it was an, an inside hire. I'll just add that little bit. But we say all that and all that's true. We just have to be, we can't give Sean Marks and Joe Sight too much credit. Because they wanted to hire Udoka. They were planning to hire him. Fair. fair and the reason why they didn't was because of the controversy around Kyrie plus what would have been. And who could have seen that coming? It was so weird that they let that like news even out that they were like like, testing the PR response to the impending Ime Udoka hiring. It's such a strange strategy. I wonder if it was I mean, I don't I, I don't put it past the Nets to to leak that or that getting leaked from the Nets. I also, I mean, it was almost impossible for not to leak because the Nets had to contact the Celtics to say, will you let him out of his contract? His agent, Udoka's agent, like, they have to have a conversation. And the agent's motivated to put it out there to make it seem like his client is hireable immediately. There's a lot of people that were, everyone was talking. That's why we knew it immediately, Mm -hmm. pretty much. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Is Jacques... Coach of the year candidate. I think he is a top three candidate right now. It's interesting because the Celtics have also been wobbling a little bit, but Joe Missoula is a candidate because of the the Celtics number one, and he is a new coach. And it, you know, people love this version of the Boston Celtics. They're the I can see them. Willie Green of the New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans is so good, and they've been so impactful. Um, and what's exciting about this trio of coaches, if you put them all together, are, you know, can I say it's like, you know, there was a lot of racism in the NBA in terms of who could be a head coach. And sure. those three head coaches don't look like a lot of the people that came before them in the NBA. And it's you give people opportunities. You're going to see that there's a lot of skill out there to mm-hmm. be had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of like former players and like particularly for Joe, uh, for Joe Vaughn, for Jacques Vaughn. You know, there's going to be some big profile about him at some point. Yeah. Because think about his path of always being the bridesmaid. He was Julia Roberts in 
my best friend's wedding for mm. so long. Mm. He he had he had had a ch- he had had his head coaching chance for a bad Orlando Magic team, and then he was always the bridesmaid, and he was given opportunities. He was the interim what twice? Yeah, until he officially got the job, and he is crushing it. He is so beyond crushing it. That again, all those people that wanted Ime Adoka should maybe just resign from Twitter because yeah. Yeah. they've been bodied. You got bodied. Um, I'm going to dovetail. Not We don't need to do an intro because it's it's overlapping. It's Jay, <laughs> Jay, Jay Cruz. Yeah, I know. I'll take, I'll take. A.K.A. Bird's Eye View from um, the Dirty Streams, which you guys don't know about unless you're in the Discord. Um, so he says, what's more likely? Jacques Vaughn as coach of the year or KD as MVP? Mike, one or the other. You got to choose. I think Jacques Vaughn. I got to gotta give it to him. Jacques Vaughn as the coy. Yes. Because KD. So there was, I want to ask you this question. I'm going to turn this around to you. Uh, next up, cheer boy. Mike Smeltz. I'm going to email you. Mike, it's an email from Mike Smeltz. Okay, let me read it. That's me. Um, there, there was some chatter from, uh, I think it was Tim Bontemps, did his informal, not informal, I don't know what you call it, his straw poll, the NBA MVP uh, candidacy. Sounds very and informal. Sounds incredible. Some people, informal. what's that? It sounds very informal. Go on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and some people were saying that KD could not win MVP because he requested a trade in July. And then Eddie Gonzalez, rightly so, tweeted out two images, one of Kobe Bryant requesting a trade and then him winning MVP. Uh, within the same 12-month span. Um, do you think that by the end of this season, if KD continues to do what he is doing, which is essentially having one of the greatest shooting, pure shooting seasons in the history of the NBA, that he will uh, be be docked points because he requested a trade in July. This this really is a great summation of why the MVP is like just it's so dumb and full of full of projection and bias that 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 would even factor in to people's appraisal of of the 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 game, yeah. the season that you're having on the court is just so it's such a weird bizarre. It's the thing. Oscars <laughs> of the NBA. It's like <laughs> the thing sometimes the best yeah. does not get rewarded. I don't like and and Kevin Durant is not Roman Polanski. He's someone who's less. That whole line of thinking should serve as an indictment for the award itself. Like that, that it's like we're now we're just taking in like news clippings from from the off season into into, <laughs> into consideration. It's so strange. But I mean, it, it's the problem. The MVP is voted on by the media, right? I think fully and completely. Um, and and so it matters, like the perception of people and. You know, like Jordan should have won MVP every year. He was, you know, when he was the king of the NBA, but he didn't because they got bored with it. Jokic maybe should win it again this year, but he's not because, you know, he's won it two years in a row. Giannis should have won it another time, but, you know, whatever. Like all this, uh, it is humans voting for this thing and a human decision of requesting a trade. I understand it's a very media thing to be like, oh, there's no shot in hell that Kevin Durant could win MVP because he requested a trade. Like, how could he be the most valuable player when he did not want to be on the team that he's currently on? But we again, we all have lizard brains. We don't remember this stuff. In March, when people are voting for MVP, are they really going to be holding on to the fact that KD like requested a trade in July of the year prior? If he's putting up his nums, which he's putting up his five, 
five assists, seven rebounds, and 30 points on 56% from the field. If he's putting up those num-nums and the Nets are the number one team, if the Nets are the number one team in the East and KD's doing what he's doing, KD should win MVP, right? Like, isn't it that easy at this point? Yeah, but I mean... It should be that easy. They've... they've um They've revealed their hand a little bit that that's, you know, <laughs> that, that they've introduced that strange, strange issue as a factor into like docking him points. As you say, it's already like belies the fact that, you know, they're they don't want to give KD another MVP. They just they just don't. It It is a long season and the Nets could not maybe they're not going to win every game for the rest of the year. And maybe they kind of fall back a little bit and are just like the fifth best team in the East with a very competitive Eastern Conference. If the Nets, I do. If the Nets are the number one team in the East and they continue to be very, very good, playing at the playing at some high level, like around sixty five percent winning percentage, whatever it is, seventy percent, and Kevin Durant is doing what he is doing and is uninjured throughout the rest of the year, he's going to be a top three MVP candidate because he will be a former MVP, a top five scorer in the NBA, highly efficient on the best team in the Eastern Conference, if all those factors align, him requesting a trade in July will not matter. Yes, Brian. But in that world, and with all that success that you mentioned, I think it's more likely that Jacques Vaughn gets Coach of the Year than Katie gets MVP, to Kyle's original question. It is is like Jordan Peele. This is a movie-heavy pod. It's like Jordan Peele winning for best screenplay, but not for best director Mm. on Get Out. Right. Right? Right. It's exactly like that. Um, Last but not least... That's Cheer Boy Ryan Newman, aka D Bronx One Four One Four in the Discord. Shout out to the Discord. Um, he says hello. How necessary do you believe the previous failures of this team? And its stars were to the recent success we are seeing now. For KD, I think back to his underwhelming underwhelming playoff performance in the sweep, the trade request that went nowhere, partly because of that playoff performance. For Ben, his journey from being thrown under the bus for the playoff loss to Atlanta, his trade request struggling to get on the court when he finally was traded, and then his awful start to the season. And finally, Kyrie, I'll skip listing his journey to this point since we're all too familiar with it. I'm just not sure Kyrie and KD willingly buy into this defensive scheme and abandon their reliance on ISO ball without being force-fed multiple slices of humble pie. And for Ben, he's picked himself off the mat more than once this season and has shown more resilience as a net than I saw from him in Philly. Am I monomyth-pilled, or is this some validity to this narrative for the 2022-2023 Brooklyn Nets? Love, Ryan Newman. Love you back. Um, Mike, did we have to go through... This do we have to traverse through hell and back to get to the point where we are now enjoying this nine game winning streak? Did we have to do it? We are where we are because of where we've been. You know, the path that we are on right now is only because of the steps that we took in the past. It's a hero's journey, Mike. Full throw. (laughs) It's a real Joseph Campbell um, archetype here with the yeah, they they (laughs) they had to. Yes, they they all the badness that happened has brought them to where they are now. Uh, you know, I don't know the humble pie thing. I think Kyrie, oddly enough, um, has been more impacted by the humble pie than Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant has like never really done anything wrong, mm. and so he's <clears throat> hasn't really had to change anything he's had to do. He Kevin Durant has just always shown an ability to do what is best for the team for the most part over the course of his career. He's always been a malleable player. 
yeah. to fit into different systems, and he always kind of figures it out where Kyrie, if he's playing the wrong way, can damage a team on some level. And when it's happening, and they, the Nets talk about it all the time, they kept, they're keeping it simple. Buying Keep it in. simple, stupid, K-I-S-S. Yep, um, we're doing it. That's what they're doing it. So uh, are you monomyth-pilled D-Bronx 1414? Sure, I, maybe. Okay. I think, I think we that. all are. I mean, we, we you know, humans, we construct these narratives, and it's important, you know, uh, driving force in our lives. I think, I think the Celtic sweep was um, a, a very important data point for everybody collectively, organizationally, but especially the two-star players to be like, actually, we can't just be agents of chaos for 80 games out of the year and then uh, and then slap it together. I what? don't know. I don't know. There was still some chaos in between the sweep and then this nine-game <laughs> winning streak. That's true. That's true. Um, I don't know if Kyrie thinks that, that he can't be an agent of chaos. I think the anti... I think... However, it got out that Kyrie was supporting an anti-Semitic film. However, that news kind of matriculated to Rolling Stone. I think ultimately that has had some impact on Kyrie, his mentality, what he's deciding to promote and focus on, which is helpful. Because like the only thing that's going to derail this team, there's two things. It's injury and it's another Kyrie scandal, mm. right? Both injury is something you can't control. The Kyrie scandal thing is ultimately something that he can control, but feels like it's very hard for him. It's a tenuous uh, grasp. To manage. It's, a, it's a tenuous grasp. You hope you hope and he so, keeps it together. So I worry. I'm I'm like a duck <laughs> on on a lake. Like I mm. seem I'm seem slowly chill, but rolling then, along, but, but your legs my, are crazy under my web under the surface, moving fast, frenetic and energy. So I, I've got some anxiety about. Like it is a little early to be peaking for this team because there's a lot of months ahead. There's a lot of seasonal affected disorder uh, to be had. Yeah. Um, you remember when James Harden went to leave Brooklyn because he didn't like the weather? Yeah. Remember that was the storyline, and then he went to Philly, which is which is cold. That was just there, still cold. Um, great show today. Hey, um, Mike, thanks for having me. They can find us. On Twitter at PK Glue Guys, but you probably want to be on Discord again, discord.gg slash glue guys. Um, yeah, and find us on the front page of the New York Times. Mike, thanks for having me. Say goodbye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.